Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here today for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. My guest today is a very busy man who I'm excited to have, Mike Basada. So Mike, thanks for being here. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we'll hop in on you. Um, let's start here today. Uh, you're extremely active in our community, serving on numerous boards, including the LSU Health Science Center, Shreveport Foundation. If I m mess up anything, just hop in. Shreveport Bossier Military Affairs Council, Bossier Chamber of Commerce, and the Red River Valley Association. My first question for you is, who taught you the importance of service? And why do you care so much about this community? I really think it was probably my, my grandfather, um, primarily, and then my dad and, and, and my family in general. Uh, when my grandfather um, came here, came to Shreveport, he was uh, from Massachusetts and moved down here, was stationed in Texas during World War II, and ended up in Shreveport, met my grandmother, and made this place home. And so all of my cousins in Massachusetts look at us as the, uh, the very country cousins that have a weird accent. But when he got here and not knowing anybody, he immediately got involved in just a variety of different organizations. And, and let me interrupt one. This is, a, this is your, your yes. grandfather on your dad's side? It is. Okay. Hey, Busada. Okay. And uh, just got involved in everything he could. And his, his mindset was, this is my home now, and I want to do everything I can to help make it better for you know, myself, my family, and my entire community. And that was something that he did until he passed away um, after 98 years, or 99 years. And um, my, my dad has done the same thing, and my mom um, have just has been a tremendous uh, supporter. And the same thing really on my mom's side of the family. And I don't know if it, if it comes from the fact that, you know, my um, great-grandparents immigrated to this country. And from just, where? Um, from Lebanon. Okay. And just felt like, that you had an obligation to give back to the community, to be a part of the community. And so um, I've just, I've always enjoyed doing it. I like it and, and it's something that I feel like is, is just, it's essential if we want to have a place where we can raise our kids. And tell me a little bit about, I mean, I know your dad, I know your uncle. Tell me a little bit about them. I don't have a specific question, but just give me a little background on them, what they've done, who they are, maybe names. Sure. Uh, my dad, Barry, and, and, and his brother, Bruce, as well as my aunts, uh, Jane and Judy, all um, were part of um, Diesel Driving Academy, which has been one of the largest truck driving, commercial truck driving schools um, in this region of the country and one of the top schools nationally. And one of the things that they've run, and that was something that my grandfather um, and another businessman here in, um, in Shreveport uh, Mayor Chastain before he passed away started and just continued to grow over the last 50 years and so that and then other um, you know a lot of a lot of other business um, involvement different business opportunities um, Ayers Career College which is training in vocational education and allied health and so um, they really had a passion for education and because you can see the benefits of it you can see that each person that comes in your doors when they leave they're going out and they're doing something that really fulfills them, fulfills their family, and helps our community. And so, you know, they really are passionate about their work, but also they've really reiterated and really pushed on the importance of getting involved and being, you know, involved in your community, donating time, donating money, donating effort. Um, and I'll never forget growing up, we were coming back from a trip and we had just landed in the airport. I mean, we were little and somebody in the airport had made, uh, in the Shreveport airport had made a derogatory comment about the airport. And my dad just got viscerally mad about it. Didn't yell at the person or anything, but just, I could, I remember him just saying like, you know, this is ridiculous that somebody's standing here in public criticizing your own city and, and, and continuing to demean your own city. Like, what are you, you know, what are you gonna do to help as opposed to criticize? And, and that always stuck with me. And, and uh, unlike a lot of people I know, I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe three, you're, you're a family of four, and I believe three of your four siblings still are here. Yes. 
And, you know, what do you attribute that success to? Just because so many, so many parents would be envious of, of, of Barry's situation sure. to have so many of his kids and grandkids here locally. Like, how did he pull that off when so many other families struggle with that here in Shreveport Bossier? Well, I think a lot of it is just instilling that pride in us and, and, and giving us something to really be proud of, of our community. I think a large part of it, too, is my mom. Um, and... You know, my mom is somebody that um, really was just a super mom. I mean, was it everything, did everything, was always there. Um, and continues to do it this day. I mean, I don't know that my wife and I, uh, we have very busy jobs. I don't know without my mom's help and guidance and support that we could do everything that we are able to do and want to do. Um, and so it's, it's really just having that family here and then having opportunities here. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I think that we've got to focus more and more on. I do have one sister that doesn't live here and, uh, and who's in economic development. Only and until recently. She only was until here. recently. Right. And, 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 and wants to move back, um, you know, at some point in time. And so it's, it's one of those things that once you see what else is out there, you realize how much we really have here. I mean, we all lived away for a short period of time. And I think all of us, when we were living in other places, realized that, you know, how great the opportunity that we have here um, in Shreveport, Bossier, Northwest Louisiana. And so, I, and I think when you talk to most people, most people that have left and come back or that have come here for the first time tend to tell you the same thing. Uh, my wife's one of them. She's from Lafayette. And she, she, I mean, there's no bigger cheerleader for Shreveport, Bossier than my wife. And, and, and reminds me all the time, like, you know, everybody here needs to be extremely proud. I mean, there's a lot to really be proud of here. And so I think that, you know, people realizing that there's, uh, what we have is a really great thing is, is important. I agree. All right, so let's get a little into your day-to-day, -day, your, your senior counsel for Butler Snow Law Firm. I believe your areas of expertise, which are a bit over my head, are bond finance and economic development financing law. For us lay people, which I put myself in that group, talk to me about who some of your clients are and the type of law work you typically focus on. Sure. It's a very niche area of law that I didn't even know existed when I was in law school. And the easiest way to explain what I do is it's financing projects. And those projects can be everything from streets and roads and bridges to um, major um, manufacturing facilities, uh, distribution facilities, for instance, Amazon uh, is a client. And so, you know, when we worked on a lot of their big economic development um, growth facilities around the state. Um, and including so, the one that's- Including the one here. Okay. Um, and so, and then I work for a lot of local governments. So I mean, when it's come time to, um, you know, again, build new infrastructure, roads, streets, bridges, um, to invest in other parks and in schools and all of the you know the things that are critical and then hospitals as well um, and so and the actual municipality will be your client yes a lot of times the municipality will be the client and we'll issue bonds and we will use other economic development tools to provide incentives um, to be able to finance some of these projects and so if it's a um, just a true government infrastructure project typically we utilize municipal bonds and then sometimes we're able to utilize some tax credits that are available from the federal government when it comes when it goes outside of just traditional projects your you know your basic things your roads your streets your bridges your libraries and it comes to economic development projects it comes to you know um, getting companies to come in here when it comes to revitalizing certain areas of town then those times will either represent um, the city itself or an economic development entity that just focuses on that. And then sometimes we represent the companies too. And so I've represented um, you know, both sides, the government and the, um, the company, as well as the independent organizations. And, uh, and so it, just, it really just kind of depends on what the need is. But um, it's something that, to me, has been an extremely gratifying area of law. Um, and it's something that, yeah, you talk to most people, most people are like, what in the world do you do? <laughs> Including me, so <laughs> thanks. That's helpful. Sure, sure. All right, so you're you're a member of the Louisiana Committee of One Hundred for Economic Development. 
there are, and I, I went through the list, I counted this, uh, there are less than 20 people from shreveport Bozier who sit on this important committee. Talk to me about some of the work of the Louisiana Committee of 100 for Economic Development. How often do you guys meet? Where do the meetings take place? And what type of work does the committee typically do? Sure. It, uh, and, you, and you mentioned the number of people, and that's one thing that we're trying to continue to get more people from this area. And so we just had a couple of new members that have uh, just joined that I'm really excited about. They'll be at our meeting uh, next week in Baton Rouge. It's so. Suey, Rick Simpson, Grant Knuckles, and one more. Edward Taylor. Edward Taylor, right, exactly. So excited. I mean, we really need to have more people. I mean, I, I lived and worked in Baton Rouge for, um, you know, a combined amount. Baton Rouge New Orleans for about 10 years. And, you know, worked close to government, Baton Rouge, the Capitol, LSU, all of those things that are based in Baton Rouge. And I can tell you that one of the things that's more important than anything for our region is having people there, having people at the table. And it goes back to the old saying, 90% of life is just showing up. And so many times, it's easy to forget about us up here. And they're hearing, the, you know, the leaders are always hearing from the people that live there. And so our voice doesn't always break through to the extent that we would like it to. So having more people from our area there, I think is critical. Um, and as far as what we're doing, one of the big things that we've done, we meet several times a year. Um, in, in Baton Rouge? In Baton Rouge. Well, in Baton Rouge and in Washington okay. uh, are our two big meetings. And then we have some small meetings throughout the year, but those are our two real big meetings. And um, last year, though, we had a really big initiative, say last year, I guess the year before that, called Reset Louisiana, the Reset Agenda. And we, we partnered with the Council for Better Louisiana and the Public Affairs Research Council and really advocated for some basic common sense um, reforms, government reforms for our state government. Um, really to focus on bringing us, you know, modernizing the way that our state operates, modernizing the way that our um, our taxing structure is, modernizing the way that our um, education structure is. And so we worked for about two years with different candidates that were running for office, um, as well as those that are in the legislature, and were able to have a significant amount of success in the past legislative session with getting some of the priorities um, you know, addressed, especially with education, um, which has been which is always one of the most critical issues. Give me, so, give me an example of sure. maybe a, a piece of legislation that's new around education that sure. has passed or been implemented. One of the things was really putting a focus and investment on, um, on preschool, on pre-K education. Um, you know, all the studies show the difference that that makes. I mean, it is just an astronomical difference if you do have that early education. We haven't had that available uh, to the extent is widely available to anybody as we'd like. That was something that was um, that was pushed and really made significant advancements in the last session. Um, the so other, some of this early childhood work from Community Foundation and from the City of Shreveport, there's an additional state yes. component to that? And to help them. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, thankfully we have, you know, we've got great local organizations like the City, like the Community Foundation that has stepped up and really filled just a massive hole that we've had in our, our educational system. And so the state now is recognizing the importance of that and is coming back and really providing reinforcements. And so just to help them continue that mission um, with the funding that's there as well as working through our public schools. Great. And when you sit on the on the Committee of 100, is, that, is there a term limit to that or how's that work? There's not. There's not. It's um, you get invited to participate um, and then once you're on there, it really kind of is one of those things that um, you really have the ability to be as active as you want to be. Um, it's something that, you know, we've got a past president um, of the Committee of 100 for Louisiana, Wayne Brown, um, who's still, you know, actively involved. I'll see him next week at our meeting, who's really been a big promoter of Shreveport and Bossier to get more people involved. And over time, what I've, I've noticed is whoever, you know, the, it, it really depends on who the president at any given time the organization is in terms of what the focus is like. Um, but so, I mean, the focus does change from time to time. One of the big things though, that we push every time we're there is making sure that, I mean, we'll have the governor will be speaking to us next week. Um, and it's making sure that those issues that are important to this region are addressed. Things like I-49, things like 
uh, you know, the, the proper funding and full funding for our academic medical center and those things, and just making sure that that's in the conversation. Is this a one-day meeting? Is this a all-day meeting, two-day meeting? This will be a one-day meeting. All day? Uh, about half a day. Half okay. A day. And, I mean, if you, you can pull it up online, but if it's, it's I mean, it's a it's a powerful group. Yeah. I mean, it's a It's a... It's a bit of a who's who of Louisiana in terms of representatives from all over the state who own very large businesses and are very important to the state's future. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, a, it's a great group of people. And I just, you know, the thing I'm most excited about, too, and one of the things that we have is we've got a cooperative endeavor agreement between the Committee 100 and Louisiana Department of Economic Development. And that's something that we continue to strengthen so that we can provide resources um, and, and collaborate to help make sure. Sh- you know, to really help fill the gaps and really help both um, ensure that LED has all the local support that it needs from the different regions of the state, which is important. Great. I'd love to be a fly on the wall, uh, fly <laughs> on the wall for one of those meetings. It's got to be fascinating. It is. It really is. So let's let's shift to a little more um, local. Um, this can be sort of a long question, but in a historic partnership, the shreveport Bozier Convention Tourist Bureau together with the City of Shreveport, the City of Bossier City, the Greater Shreveport Chamber of Commerce, the Bossier Chamber of Commerce, the Shreveport Bossier African American Chamber of Commerce, and other local community organizations are working together to develop a destination master plan and community brand. While the Convention Tourist Bureau has led the project and is funding the initiative, a steering committee with representatives from around the area has been organized to offer guidance and assistance. You're one of 16 people who sit on this steering committee. Uh, if you could, my question is, you know, talk to me about the importance of this initiative and this project and where we are so far in the process. Sure. I think this is probably one of the most critical things that we've done um, in a long time. And just to kind of go back a little bit, I mean, so much of so much of my work deals with economic development. And one of the things that I've noticed having worked in other places and our my firm is an international firm, and, and one of our biggest practice areas is this area of economic development, finance, and public finance in general. And one of the things that's very clear to me is that a lot of people talk about economic development, and but we don't really look at it as kind of the art and science that it really is. And it's just like any other profession out there, where you know you, if you go to a doctor. Uh, if you go to a heart doctor, you're not going to ask him to operate on your leg. And, you know, you would never think to go to, you know, your lawyer and say, hey, can you do heart surgery on me? Whereas economic development, we always talk about it. But one of the things that I, that, that I really think we can continue to build upon is making sure that we're bringing in people that have studied it, that have lived it, that have worked with both the companies and on the government side that really understand it. Because there is an art. There is a science. And it's one of those things... My expertise is not in sheer economic development. It is in the legal financing and how to finance those deals. So we're working with economic developers. And so I'll be the first to tell you that the importance of those people and the expertise I think is critical. And it goes to what we're doing with the Convention Visitor Bureau is bringing in experts that have worked with communities around the country and saying, look, we know what we think you know, uh, makes us stand out. We know what we like, what we dislike, but you've seen what works and what doesn't work everywhere else. And I'm a firm believer in somebody has done something well somewhere. And how do we go and take the best ideas and bring them back and mold them to, to, you know, to meet our own specific needs. And so this brought in a phenomenal company that has represented major communities around the state, around the country that, that we've all heard of. And their success rate has been really tremendous. And in one city, I remember they mentioned in one of our first meetings, they did a poll of the city, of the residents of the city, and said, how many of you would recommend that a family member move to the city? And the response was 30%, I mean, pretty bad. After they went through the process, and it's not a short process. I mean, it's a, you know, you, you'll have the product, but then implementing it takes several years. I mean, it's not something we're gonna change overnight. But after about four or five years, they did the same poll. 76% of the people said they would recommend their family member move there. Wow. One of the highest in the country. And so what that tells me is let's bring in experts. Let's listen to them. 
and then let's utilize uh, what they what they provide for us and let's execute. And then my the, the ultimate hope is that we build that ability, we build that capacity here to continue to build upon that locally without you know having to go out and bring it back so we can continue to build upon that and do those things and, and build that economy here. So um, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's really going to be two parts. It's going to be one um, focused on how do we get visitors to come into the community, whether it's for conventions or um, you know corporate meetings or whatnot. There's a tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of boost to the economy from those type of events. Also, most people, before they move to a community, they visit it first. And they visited, they went to a conference there, they went to a Little League baseball game there. They loved it and they're like, hey, you know, I can, so I can see myself living there. So when there's an opportunity, they're more willing to come. And so one is gonna be really directed at that group. The other is gonna be directed at just how do we brand our community? How, you know, who are we? What are we proud of? What do we do? How do we encompass everything that's great into an overall plan? And it's not gonna be just a logo and a tagline. It's gonna be a really, it's, it's gonna be a well thought out plan and we're hoping that all the organizations um, in the city, uh, whether it's the Chambers of Commerce, um, NLEP, BRF, Y, all the different organizations, the Community Foundation, the goal is for everybody to really adopt this. And, and everybody's been working on this and really to take that and, and weave into their marketing and their branding this unified um, strategy of just making sure that we're all kind of have a cohesive message. They'll all be unique to the organization, but it'll all kind of have that base foundation. And so we've got so much to be proud of. And I think that this is a way to remind ourselves that we have a lot more than a lot of people realize. I mean, we have things here that people would literally give anything to have. And we've just- Talk to me about a few of those things. Because well, I know you see a lot and you know a lot, and I've, I've heard you articulate some of those things in about as clear a way as anyone I've listened to. I, you know, we, I, the, there's three things that I think are really set us apart from anywhere and it'll allow us to compete with anybody anywhere. We've got an academic medical center. We, you know, with Osher LSU, what LSU Health is doing is there's only 105, around 105 in the country. and it produces the amount of research, development, new techniques, the people that come here from other places to receive medical care, and it benefits all of our healthcare system. That's why you see, you know, Willis Knight with you know a, a significant presence, one of the largest hospital chains in the state, um, as well as the work that Chris is doing, the first Shriners Hospital. Um, all of these people, we've got world-class healthcare right here, and it's because of we've got an academic medical center, and. What's one of the fastest growing industries in the, in, the, in the country? Healthcare. And so all of that is really gonna come from, um, you know, what's built in that incubator. And so really, you know, taking advantage of that, um, being able to commercialize a lot more of the research and the development, a lot more clinical um, trials and, and, um, and different research. I mean, that's what really takes you from being, um, you know, good to great. I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan for a wedding not too long ago, and their entire downtown is all, I mean, almost the entire downtown, the anchor for it is healthcare. It's all these healthcare companies, these research institutions, these healthcare innovators that are taking their products, they're developing in the labs, and they're turning them into commercial products, and they're building big companies, and it's, it's revolutionized that city. And so I think that's something that we have here and we can really grow on that. And if you go look at what they've done in Little Rock, it's a great example. Um, and you go look at other cities, the University of Alabama, Birmingham, I mean, it has been an anchor. So it's something I guarantee you, there's not a mayor in this country that wouldn't give just about anything to get one of these academic research institutions. We've got one. And so really building upon that, putting the focus, getting what we deserve in terms of just the equal allocation of funds from the state, we've come a long way you know, over the last several years. Uh, why it's important to be in Baton Rouge to make sure that we're getting that, that allocation of funds. So that's a huge area. And that really is the one of the most important things that we can really focus on. The other is we've got one of 10 um, 
major commands, Air Force major commands, headquartered right here uh, at Barstow Air Force Base. What they're doing there, they're two-thirds of the nuclear triad, so they're critical for national defense. But the other key part of that is they, the, I was at a conference, a national security forum, and the, uh, the secretary of the Air Force basically said, look, one of the things that we've, that we've made the determination of is that technology is moving so fast and it's changing so fast, especially when you start looking at space and what the Space Force is doing. And the old way of doing things that really made us successful in you know, the last century don't necessarily work now because you know, to, to, build a, um, to build, for instance, a satellite system, this a proprietary satellite system, can take 10 years if it's done internally. Whereas you can go to the private sector, you can get it done in you know one tenth of that time. Used to, it was more beneficial to take the longer time because you had all the secrets, you had all the, I mean, you had everything right there. So I mean, it was yours. Now, that just won't keep up with the pace of, of advancement. And so what they've done, and what he said that the Air Force will do, especially, is partner with private companies to really develop cutting edge research, cutting edge technology, um, that's going to protect our nation and our allies. And that can all be done here. And that's something we have the ability to take those opportunities and expand. San Diego, there was no San Diego until the military was there. The military really built San Diego. And there's, I mean, you can go, there's a documentary Marcus Lemonis did. And I mean, it was phenomenal what they did. And it was just because businesses surrounded and they developed and they grew. Um, and so that's something that we really need to continue to focus on. And BRF is doing um, a, a lot of work in that area. Um, you know, on the education side, you've got um, Cyber Innovation Center, and so and, and Strike Works. So I mean, really, just capitalizing on that is it is just a huge opportunity. And again, what's one of the top fastest growing sectors? Information technology. So we've got information technology and healthcare, and then the third one is transportation logistics. And how do you get stuff from point A to point B? COVID underscored the importance of that. I mean, we saw with the supply chain issues, you're gonna see more and more manufacturing. I'm getting more calls now from companies that want to build facilities in the United States, manufacturing facilities, reshore that stuff. And we are in a geographically prime location. Uh, where we are in the country is our community. We've got interstate systems that run north, south, east, and west and intersect here. We've got Class A rail that runs north, south, east, west, intersects here. We've got a river that can get to the Mississippi River. So we've got everything that a company in logistics wants. I mean, it's no, it's no coincidence that Amazon built where they built it. I mean, it's just, it's, and I'm not telling you anything private or not. I mean, it's just as a, as a consumer, wow, it makes sense. Why, why would you build it? And, um, and I think there's a lot more opportunities. One of the things that we haven't done, though, is really taking advantage of it to the extent that we could. Some of that's because in Louisiana, we don't have some of the aggressive economic development tools that they do in states like Texas um, and Mississippi, for that matter. But I think we're getting there. What kind of tools, when you say aggressive economic, what, what are we talking about tax breaks, tax incentives, or something? A, a mix, a mix. Um, you know, in, in, you know, for instance, in Texas, in Texas, each community has the ability to pass their own individual um, sales tax that's used just for economic development. And so when we're competing against Longview, Texas, for instance, um, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two in terms of, I mean, you're talking about an hour and a half distance. So, I mean, you're not really, there's no huge reason to go to one over the other, except for the fact that in Longview, they've got funds for economic development that they can go out and they can provide incentives. They can go out and market their sites. They can go out and, you know, put, um, develop sites that we don't have the ability, the same ability to do at the same level in Louisiana, or not nearly as easily. And so, you know, if you look at the Chamber of Commerce in Longview, Texas, that may have, you know, several million dollars versus our equivalent of an LEP that gets about a million and covers, you know, 20 parishes, or not 20 parishes, uh, you know. 12, covers a lot so, of yeah. the state. And so that's one of the things um, and it's not just all about incentives, but it's about how do you get out there and prepare an environment that makes people want to come here. And, you know, people all the time say, well, 
I don't like incentives. I, you know, I don't, we shouldn't have to give anything away. I agree with you, as long as everybody else doesn't do it too. Right. You know, it's kind of like you know nuclear weapons. You know, we all agree. Nobody, we don't like nuclear weapons, but we're not going to give ours away unless everybody else gives theirs up. You know, I mean, it, it's one of those things. And so, but our incentives need to be smarter. And we've got some outdated incentive models that really don't. It, it, it's it's one size fits all. It's we're going to give you everything or give you nothing, and you might not need everything, but we're going to give it to you anyway because it's just as cookie cutter as easy. And so that's one of the things that we're really working on. We worked in the legislature um, in LEP, really was a leader on this, uh, creating the state's first mega site development um, program, which is something that we've been sorely lacking in. If we don't, until this past year, um, Louisiana provided no money for the use of developing mega sites. Mega sites are about a thousand acre sites. Okay. Where you see these big manufacturers, especially big car manufacturers that are just gigantic, uh, enormous job creators. And so we've, we've never had that. Mississippi, by contrast, will put 30 million a year into developing these sites. Louisiana has never had anything. Um, I was honored to, to work for an LEP to, to, to create the law and write the law that created this program. Um, and one of the things we did was we said that money that's going to it has to be spent equally around the state so northwest louisiana is going to get just as much as any other area of the state we put that in the law um there were people that wanted to take it out we fought we kept it in there it's in the law forever um, but we got an initial eight million dollars it's a drop in the bucket compared to what other states do but we're getting there and the reason that's so important is these big companies every month is you know is equivalent to millions of dollars you know in in, in revenue, lost revenue or generator revenue. So when they're coming and looking, where am I going to build a new facility? They want to go somewhere that's ready. You know, they want to go, it's, it's like buying a new house. You know, you can go buy a fixer upper and some people love to do that. But then there are other people like, I don't have time for that. I've got another kid on the way. I've got to have a house now and I don't have six months to go mess around with that. I want something I can move into immediately. And that's what a lot of these companies are looking at. They're like, you know, they want something that's ready that's already clear, that the roadways are already there, that the rail lines and the additional rail lines are there, um, that it has access to um, you know, fiber optic um, cable. I mean, all of those things that are in there, and that's something that this program, for the first time, will allow us to do. It will also allow us to market those sites, to basically say, look, we've done all this, we've got this site ready to go, now let's go market it to these big companies. And that makes you extremely attractive our, my firm, one of our wholly, our, our wholly owned subsidiary, Vision First Advisors, is a nationally recognized economic development consulting firm and put together one of the, um, the studies, the market studies, um, that allowed um, Tennessee to get just this $2 billion for EV facility, which is going to spin off and have another $2 billion yeah, um, battery creating facility. You're talking about you know six thousand jobs. That's something we could have here. There's no reason we can't have that here. And that's the kind of thing that changes a community. That's the thing. And and you know people, to me when it comes to economic development, too, you're in one of two spots. You're either in the spot like Nashville. It's like now everybody wants to go to Nashville, but Nashville's just a small country town forty years ago, and so they realize, okay, we're not gonna get people to come to Nashville instead of going to, let's say, Dallas right now because Dallas is, is, is hopping. We've gotta do something enticing. We've gotta give them something different, something unique. And that comes in the form of tax incentives. That comes in the form of um, you know, labor development, labor training, and, and different you know, programs, different support. And you lure them in. Once you lure them in, you start building a critical mass and then you don't have to give as much in terms of incentives. Then you, you start having you know, the, the snowball effect. Everybody wants to be where everybody is. And so we've really got to figure out how do, we, how do we create an environment to get people here where it may be easier to go somewhere else. But they see that long term it will be better for them. And that's you know, what we really need to be focusing on as much as possible is, is, is how do we tell somebody, yeah, you can go... You can go to Dallas and build your company in Dallas. It's going to be a higher property taxes. You're going to pay, you know, higher wages. Uh, 
but you're also going to have a lot of these benefits, all these things that are built in there. You've got a well established, you know, all these things. We may not have some of those things, but you're also going to be able to come here a lot cheaper. And if we get you here cheaper, that money you save can be reinvested by not only the community but and, and by the business to basically get those things to fill in that backfill what, what we don't have initially and you're going to be on the ground floor you're going to be in here and you're going to get everything locked up when things are still cheap when you still are the dominant player and so then 10 years from now you're going to have saved a significant amount of money and been much better off than you would have if you'd gone into you know an area that's already booming and it's you know it's just like anything else in business or a neighborhood you know you can go to a neighborhood that's already long established and pay a lot you get a lot but you can say you know I think this neighborhood is going to be the next big thing I'm going to move out there right now I can get in early and that's how all these cities develop and it just it's one of those things that you know all the big cities that we look at and say they're the most successful cities they were once where we were and they just decided let's try something different let's try something new and let's get people here. And we're doing that. We are, we are. And we're, 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 we're making a lot more progress. I think that you're seeing a lot more collaboration. I think you're seeing a lot more um, desire to really utilize expertise of different people um, that really have that expertise. And so I think, you know, when, you, when you're looking at, um, you know, folks that have been brought in, um, I say brought in and developed here, I mean, you know, people that have been put in positions to do economic development and to do community development are really now being given the latitude to be able to really go out and do some of those things. There's more openness to doing some of those things. And so I think that's that's really critical. And I think that, you know, in Shreveport on this side of the river, we've got a mayor's election coming up. Um, you know, I think we've got, um, you know, Bozier, obviously we've, we've, we've got a recent, I say new mayor, this has been two years. So I mean, you're seeing some change and so I think you know, anytime there's change, it's an opportunity to really take advantage of that and to try something different. And so, well, it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I got two more questions for mm-hmm. you. My first is um, kind of being a little more cynical. Um, in your opinion, what's holding us back? Uh, what's holding us back from being one of the next great small cities? In America, aside from everything you just mentioned, you know, I think one of the things is a reluctance to a reluctance to recognize, and we talked about this earlier, a reluctance to recognize the resources that we do have, and and really capitalize on what we have. So I think that's that's one big thing, and I think the other thing is how do we build more um, intellectual capacity, how do we build more um, workforce capacity. And, you know, one of the ways, you know, one of the things that you see is so many people have moved away and people continue to move away. And they take with them all their talent, all of their knowledge. And a lot of, I mean, so many times you come in and we say, well, you know, let's find somebody uh, local to do this. And the response is, well, we don't have anybody local that can do this. Sometimes that's right, sometimes that's wrong. More often than not, that's wrong. But if that is correct, how do we create that here? How do we how do we create um, you know some of the top financial experts here? You know, let's let's just use that industry. Let's use the financial industry. Um, it's outside of my purview because mine's law. Let's use financial. How do we build those type of jobs here? Because that's, I mean, that's one of those areas where you've got a lot of people coming out of school with finance degrees, economics degrees. Um, you know, how do we build that economy here? And to me, it's we've got to think beyond what we what we've done in the past. We've got to say, you know, okay, we don't have this expertise here. We want to develop this expertise here. So when we utilize these other companies, we're going to tell them we want you to apprentice to work with. Somebody locally, somebody that's somebody's qualified, somebody that's gone through, somebody's got the, the education, that's done all the things they have to do. All they need is the experience piece. They've done everything else and been successful. We want you to partner with them, but not just to put their name on a sheet of paper, not just to say, well, I've got somebody local. That does no good. We want it to be where that person is getting to learn. That person is actually getting to participate and to understand and really get their hands dirty. That means the company, whoever's training them, the, 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 the big company, they're going to lose some money on the deal. You know, because 
they're going to have to have somebody that's never done this before that's going to make some mistakes, but they're going to learn it. And that allows one of two things to happen. Either this large company creates a major, major presence in the city and has a major footing in the city, which is great. So those people are here, they're local, they're being paid here, they spend their money here. Or those local folks say, okay, I've learned it, now I want to branch out of my own and do my own thing and have my own company. Yes, it's a competitor, but competition is good. And most big companies welcome that. Um, I know ours, you know, I mean, we are, like I said, I mean, an international law firm, I mean, we, we welcome, if there's an opportunity to get to, 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 to train and to work with and help teach, um, you know, somebody in the area of law, I do, we're all about that. If they decide to go out and start their own firm afterwards, that's fine. Because my area of practice, and, and this is something that is, you know, I, I realize, the only way you can learn this, and I mean, I, you can talk to anybody. I'm, I'm um, on uh, the National Association of Bond Lawyers. I'm a national committee chair. You go talk to anybody in these industries, they'll tell you, you know, some of these more niche areas, You, the only way you can actually learn to be successful is going and working for somebody that's already doing it. And so when I moved to Shreveport, I looked around, there was nobody that did this. And the only way that anybody could learn it is to go live in Baton Rouge live in New Orleans, you know, and basically just say, I'm going in, I'm just going to learn this. So I want to be able to provide that opportunity. And that's what you did. Yeah. And, and, and that's what you had to do because you had to have somebody that was willing to take you in, lose money on you because you were going to do it wrong the first 20 times and they're going to have to redo it and show you how you did it wrong and you learn and you eventually learn. And so, you know, that's something I want to be able to do and to provide for people in my community to be able to say, hey, you don't have to go to Baton Rouge to learn this if you want to learn it. And the same thing, whether you're looking at the financial industry, whether you're looking at healthcare, let's, you know, we need to make sure architects, um, engineers, all of those jobs, you know, those 21st century jobs, um, where we may not have the capacity yet, how do we build that capacity here? And it, it, it's gotta go beyond just saying, well, just, just check a box and, you know, have somebody on your payroll that's local. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to go, how can you empower and educate somebody here for the long term? And how do you incent, how do you incent the people that are taking on these apprentices, for lack of a better word? What, how do you motivate people in your, I mean, you have a community spirit, you have a heart for this, but how do you motivate other people in your shoes to take on people and to provide that experience and provide that knowledge? Sure. I mean, I think if you, I, I think it's smart business. I think it, I mean, I think it's really smart business to make sure that you are helping train. And, and again, some of those people may leave and compete against you, but that's just part of it. It's it's always better to have a, a, a stronger whatever type of community you're in. So if you're in healthcare, it's always better to have a stronger healthcare community if you're a doctor. You want to have the best doctors, even if some of them are competing against you. I mean, look what MD Anderson does. You know, like, you know, you, people go to MD Anderson because that's where the best doctors are. Not because there's one good doctor. That's where all the best doctors are when it comes to, you know, uh, cancer treatment. I mean, that, that's, that's their pitch. That's what they do. Um, and so you want to have as many of those people here. So I think it's, it's important, and I think it's smart from a business perspective. And I think from the government, I think the government perspective has a really big um, – a really big opportunity to have an impact and basically say, look, you know, when it comes to uh, vendors for the government, which are, you know, typically very large contracts, you know, we're going to move beyond, you know, some of the basic measurements. We're going to say we really want to see a full apprenticeship program and we want, we're going to measure that. We're going to measure and that. We're not going to award a contract to you unless you're meeting these requirements. Right. And we want, and we're going to, and we're going to develop ways to determine whether or not the people that are being hired in these positions to learn are actually getting to learn. Are they getting to learn or are they just being put in a side room saying, hey, just, you know, just stay over there. We just need your name and we're going to pay you and we're not going to let you learn a thing. So we have to, and, and that stuff's complicated. It's not easy to come up with ways to measure that by any stretch, but we've got to do it because if not, we're going to continue to outsource. And the more that we outsource, the harder it is for us to build our economy. And I think from a global level, I mean, we learned under COVID that the outsourcing can be very problematic. And it's no different from a local standpoint. We can't continue to outsource um, all of this work. Um, and, and, it, and it's everything. I mean, it's not just, you know, I named some more of the 
you know, all jobs, I mean, it's everything is from top-notch electricians, top-notch plumbers, educators, I mean, you know, I mean, teachers, I mean, it's just, it's all of those things. How do we develop that here and how do we incentivize that? Okay. And, and on the flip side, um, and my final question for you, we may keep talking a little bit, but what makes you, as you look around, I mean, in addition to everything you've mentioned, as you look around, what makes you optimistic about the future of this community? What do you see that that gives you hope or makes you feel like this is all trending in the proper direction? I think, one, just economics are work, starting to work in our favor. I think that you're starting to see um, a lot of big cities that have been very big, bustling cities for a long time. They're starting to, companies are starting to look there and say, wait a second, it's too congested here. Um, fighting for the talent um, is, is, is driving up um, wages so much that they're, they're just, you can't justify them anymore. Um, we've got quality of life, you know, there's quality of life issues. People want to be more in a place where they can, less traffic, where they can take racer kids. So I think, and we're perfectly primed for that. Um, and my, my sister lives in Phoenix works in economic development in Phoenix and you know Phoenix so much of their traffic is really coming from you know I mean Phoenix was not that big of a city years ago and so much of their traffic is people that have looked for other big cities and said you know we want an alternative we like what our current city has to offer but all of this extra stuff that's grown up we just we want something you know that's a little bit cleaner um, in terms of less traffic less congestion and so they're they're looking for other places to go and so I think that we're a prime location for that. Um, and I think our proximity to Texas, I think is actually really beneficial in this area um, because I do think that we can really start to market ourselves as, hey, in this community, you can get anywhere in 10 minutes. We've got a great infrastructure system. We've got a lot of amenities and we're very, you know, we're, we're, we're centrally located. So I think that's, I think you're seeing towns our size are starting to really, um, grow tremendously and so if we take advantage of it I think that's one thing that's just there um, now how do we speed that up I think that you know what we're seeing in number one from our entities I mean we've got now we've got a lot of great organizations for the first time at least in the last decade that I can think of everybody seems to be working together everybody seems to be saying hey this is what I'm gonna do this is my lane let's all work together and collaborate um, especially when it, on the economic development front from what I'm seeing um, everybody's tending to all work together in the same direction. Um, and I think that you've got, you've really developed, we've developed some great talent here and we're building some more talent here, which I think is going to be important. And then the growth at the medical school. I mean, I think that is something that is tremendous. The new um, medical um, education building um, is going to be absolutely world-class. A $60 million facility It's going to be world-class. It's going to be something that is going to drive um, not only more research through the um, Center for Viral Emerging Threats, which was a major player when it came to COVID, but it's also going to help us increase our medical school size um, and really re recruit more um, students here, as well as more top flight doctors. We've gotten uh, the number of new doctors that have come over that are brought with them NIH funding, National Institutes of Health funding, to do research here um, has increased significantly. And so I think that is going to really, and so if we, that piece, and then I know that there's a big push um, for many of our leaders, um, people like Representative Presley and others that have really pushed to expand um, LSU, our four-year institution's presence. I know President Tate has, has expressed his strong commitment to build um, LSUS into, you know, a true four-year research institution, which we're one of the only major cities in Louisiana that doesn't have um, that major four-year research institution with, you know, with everything that goes along with it. And, and that includes sports and, and, and all of those things because that all um, is how you recruit students and keep students. So I think that commitment is huge. Um, and so, you know, those things, I think that, again, Barksdale is going to continue to expand. Um, they've got additional funding for um to expand their use there so they're going to be doing some big things at Barksdale and I really feel like if we continue to push on our transportation logistics we continue to do those things I mean I think everything's really 
coming together, what's going on at the port. And that was the other piece on the transportation logistics is the port. I mean, the port is just a phenomenal tool um, and, and, and does great work. So it seems like everything's go, everything start, all the pieces are starting to come together. Um, and so I think it's just gonna take everybody staying focused and moving forward. But I'm more optimistic now than honestly I've ever been. And, and you know, I'm not just saying that, but I really feel like things are starting to move and the question is going to be whether or not we want to take advantage of it and whether or not we're willing to take calculated smart risk and, and not so much when I say risk are we willing to lose are we willing to risk losing and I think for a long time the answer to that probably hasn't always been yes it's well if we do that what if it fails what if this doesn't work and we've got to be willing to say, you know what, this may work, this may not work, but we got to start doing it. we got to give it a try. Well, Mike, it's, uh, I wish I could just sit here all day with you because, I mean, anyone listening to this has to be optimistic and hopeful about our community and what lies ahead. So I appreciate all you're doing. I know you're in the trenches working hard, and um, you're certainly one of the bright spots of our community. I really appreciate you and no. appreciate you making the time. Is there anything else we haven't covered or anything else you'd like to mention today? The only thing I'd say, and I'd just be remiss if I didn't say this because I think it's so important because it's the one thing here that we've been slow to fully utilize. And it's something that I think we're starting to utilize. And But I know there's going to be people that are questioning, pushing back and, and, and is really utilizing all the tools at our disposal that our state does allow for economic development and for financing economic development projects and incentives and when it comes to incentives you know an incentive is a tool a tax incentive is a tool tools you know a hammer's a tool a hammer is absolutely required to build a building but it's also used to destroy things so you know a hammer's not good or bad an incentive is not good or bad. It's how do you utilize the incentives. And we have underutilized the tools in our belt for a long time. And, and I noticed that when I worked in Baton Rouge and I realized that we were doing, utilizing these tools to develop some really big successful projects and do some major redevelopment. And I noticed that none of that was, to the same extent, was happening at home. And when I moved back, one of the things I realized is that, you know, there, was, there wasn't anybody, you know, there were no big firms here, just from the legal standpoint, but on, on, on a lot of different areas that, were, that had that expertise into, like I said, niche areas. So, so it was, in your opinion, it was less a philosophy against these tools and more just an awareness that they even existed. Yeah, and we, 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 we outsourced most of that for, for out of necessity. I mean, there was nobody, you know, there's only about two or three firms in the state that even do it. Cause it's one of those, it's one of those practice areas where things go up and things go down. And so you have to have kind of a big firm financially. And a lot of firms have gotten out of it. You're like, eh, you know, when things are good, good, but when things are bad, it's, and you know, so that's why the bigger firms have been successful at doing it because they can deal with those market fluctuations. So I noticed that most of what we were doing, we were having to rely on attorneys out of Baton Rouge or New Orleans. And so we were getting some of the, the information, but it wasn't the cutting edge stuff. It wasn't the complicated stuff. It was like, okay, well, this is, this is the basic cookie cutter stuff. And I, and I don't think it was malicious. I mean, well, I know it wasn't malicious. It was because there was nobody here. When, when you live in a community, you understand what's needed and what's not needed. When you don't live somewhere, it's kind of like, I'm gonna wait for somebody to call me. You know, if they call me, I can help them. Um, but having people in the community that can say, look, I've seen this done here. You know, Justin Dixon at NLEP is a great example. I mean, somebody that has been uh, on the commercial industrial real estate side, has worked in economic development. You know, having somebody live here that's got that experience that can say, oh, I just read this in the paper. I see y'all are trying to do this. Did you know that I saw this done somewhere else and this is how they did it? And let me put you it all together. There's just something, you can't replace that. And so um, so part of it, I think, was just having the, the information. Another part of it was we had tried some of these things, and they weren't successful. And I would argue it was because they weren't, 
it was a tool that wasn't used properly. So we gave a tax incentive away, but we had no strings attached to it. We had no performance requirements. We had no um, clawback features. We had no safety mechanisms. And then when it didn't work, it's like, oh, well, we can't ever do this again. And I think that's the wrong, we, we, I think we learned some wrong lessons. I think the, the problem was not that we got involved and we, we were proactive. The problem was, you know, how do we do this in a way that is going to provide the safety and security while still allowing us to compete? And, you know, specific example, I know this was, you know, one of the things, and look, in full disclosure, I haven't, I have had no conversations with the, with the company um, that's talking about doing some of the fairgrounds. I mean, I've had no conversation with them. I don't know them. Wouldn't know if they're walking the door. But one of the things that, you know, and I know some people think it's great. Some people think, well, let's do this at downtown. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And one of the things that I would just tell people, and anytime somebody comes to you want to do something, is there are certain things that you can require, you can require that they provide in order to make sure that one, they have the ability to do what they're promising. And there's a way to provide incentives that are that they only receive once they do what they've promised to do. And there's ways to provide those incentives utilizing funds that were generated by them. And so there's there's ways to do these things. And I'm not saying we should or shouldn't do that. I mean this isn't my point is as we get as we continue to move forward, those are the choices we're gonna have to make as a community. And we've got to make sure that we're willing to go out there. And the way I'm talking about these incentives, a good example is if the company isn't successful, there's no loss to the community because they don't get anything unless they actually achieved what they said they were going to achieve. So if they, if they fail, they fail. You know, a, a lot of companies fail. But we don't lose anything if they fail. We can't be scared and say, oh, well, that one failed, so we should never do it again. As long as we're not losing as long as we're not risking the, 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 the community's dollars, um, and the only thing that we're losing is just a little bit of pride because this one lost, we need to be doing that because most people will tell you in business, you know, out of every, you know, 10 deals, one of them worked really well, you know? And, and so we've got to have that attitude that, you know, some of these aren't gonna work. Every business person I know operates like that. We need to operate like that as a community, and I think that we can, and I think that people will get behind those things. So. Anyway, that's my last little piece. I just I wanted to make sure, just because I've, I've heard so much of that lately. Well, you know, we tried that once and it was a disaster. Well, you used a hammer once and the building wasn't built right. But did you have the right engineers and architects? And did you use the right nails? And was the lumber right? Like, just because you used the hammer doesn't mean the hammer, and it didn't work, doesn't mean the hammer's always bad. No, I'm glad you added that. I think it's invaluable. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for everything. Great to have you. you. Thank you for what y'all are doing. I, I just, you know, again, what 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 the Y is doing in this community, and especially over the last, you know, uh, the, 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 the expanded mission. I mean, I know y'all hosted, not only these podcasts, hosted a lot of community events, um, a lot of informational sessions, and I just think those opportunities are so critical for people just to be able to come out, to learn, to listen, and so... What y'all have done, not only in the beautiful facilities that are being developed everywhere, uh, but also in building a sense of community, I think is just absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. You bet.